All right, everyone, welcome to The Drew Han Show. I'm your host, Drew. Coming up shortly, I'll be featuring an interview with Luke Schaefer of Me Like Bees. They were recently here in Appleton for an album release show. Luke sat down with me to discuss their music and how the bees came to be. I sat down to interview Luke at Todd Van Hammond's house, a man of the music here in the valley. I'd like to welcome Todd to the show and help me tee up Luke's interview. Welcome, Todd. Thanks, Drew. All right, cool. I guess, you know, you have a long history with the bees. How did you discover them? Um, so, yeah, long history at this point. So back when Mila Music started, um, I was actually on the, the music team for picking bands and so forth. So we'd take the submissions, and we had to listen to them all okay. to give them all a fair shake. And some years that was four or 500 bands. And in uh, mile three, I believe it was, we had, a, we had a session. We were meeting at Baselzer one night with a group of us, and uh, Corey Chisel was there, and you know we had all the different people, and listening to a lot of the submissions, and Me Like Bees was a name that came up, and we went around the circle, and what'd you guys think? You know, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, they were like a shoe-in. Corey Chisel made a joke about, with a name like that, they gotta be in, you know? So, so it was like, the name stood out, and everyone really enjoyed them. So when the weekend came, and we're chasing around seeing bands, you know, I had them circle that, okay, I got to make at least one. So I remember the first night I was at a different show, and uh, it got done, and they were playing, bees were at Mill Creek, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to race over there and see if I can just at least catch a little bit. Um, hopefully they're running late, whatever. Ran in, got right up by the stage, I think maybe a song and a half, and their set was done. But because it was the last show of the night, they actually came back out and did an encore. And Mill Creek was going crazy. And it's like, oh, wow, this is so awesome. And I mean, I didn't get to catch a lot, but I'm like, I can't wait for the show I've got tomorrow at Fox River House. Right. So that was the first true full show. Then the next day at Fox River House that I got to see them. And, you know, guys being how they are, they're hanging out afterwards, chatting with everyone, you know, pick up their CD. And I believe I picked up. Yeah, I picked up the Ides. Their first CD they didn't have. They had sold out the last few they had, and or the EP, I guess it was. Um, but yeah, so he got to, you know, got to do it. Like I audio recorded, you know, the live show at that one, and so forth. So it all kind of started from there, you know. And I reached out, you know, I talked with Tim a lot, the drummer at the time, because you know uh, Luke was pretty busy talking to everyone else and stuff. But I talked to Tim and and, and to Nick. And, you know, Pete was pretty quiet, so yeah. I didn't talk to him a whole lot. Uh, but I talked to those guys and ran into him, you know, on the street, like you always do at Mile, right? So chatted with him here a little bit. And then, you know, reached out and asked him, like, about particular songs, like song titles in it that maybe weren't on the CD and stuff like that. Just so I had for my live recording, I knew what the set list was so oh, yeah, yeah. for my tracks. So, so it all kind of started from there. And, you know, then... You know, they'd reach out here and there, or I'd send them something, and then um, that's so, well, that's August, right? So, Mile, they played in Madison in December, and I don't recall, probably Joe Arena and I drove down, maybe a couple other folks, but we drove down to High Noon Saloon to see him play. Okay. You know, once you're willing to travel and see a band, they tend to remember you. Sure, yeah. And yep. know that you're <laughs> probably one of their bigger fans and stuff. So, you know, when. Uh, 
I had reached out and you know said, hey guys, you know we got a, we have a you know a carload of people coming down to see you, whatever, whatever. And it was like, oh yeah, great. And Luke's like, well, make sure you come early so we can go catch a bite to eat and stuff like that. So you know, a kind of friendship build outside of man, they started coming and playing Mill Creek a lot, and you know, it just kind of started building and building from there. And they'd reach out, and so then the following summer, they were coming for mile again. And Luke had reached out to me. I believe he sent me a message on Facebook, asked for my cell number. And uh, he reached out and called because he was saying, hey, you know, I know you're kind of on the mile team or whatever. How do you think this will work? We're bringing a friend along from Joplin that's playing. And this was Carter. Oh, all right. And he's riding along in the van with us. But we've got like four or five gigs and he's got like four or five gigs. Okay. But we have one vehicle. Like, how is this going to work? And I'm just thinking, like, it's not going to work great. Like, <laughs> I don't know where your set times are going to be, but chances are you're going to have to be in two different places at the same time. And Carter's playing solo. He's probably not going to have a ton of gear. But, you know, there was certainly a concern there. So I said, well, we have an extra car. Just have Carter take our extra Jeep and he can use that around town or whatever. So I'd never met Carter before. (laughs) So the day before mile um, started that year, I drove to Horicon to see him. Horicon had like a Wednesday night music series or something. And they were playing there on their way up to Appleton. So went down. That's where I met Carter the first time. And, and uh, yeah, just hung out with the bees, you know, after their gigs, we were out late. You know, Luke and I like to go out and have a little fun after the shows and stuff. And, uh, so, yeah, just a great weekend. But then, yeah, many, many Mill Creek shows and stuff. And then I think kind of the funny thing what happened after that, the funny story I always remember is uh, if, uh, were you at the winter warm-up, the Mila Music Show at Tanner's? Nah, yes. There I was do like that. three, I want to say there was like the Bees, maybe Suitcase Junket, and maybe Blackfoot Gypsies. Something. Okay. It was a big show mm-hmm. packed. I think it was sold out, you know, close to a thousand people. The funny thing that happened was, you know, my brother was there and he was in the bathroom and Luke comes in the bathroom and they're standing there side by side. You know, they're doing their thing. Right. And uh, (laughs) Tim's like my brother, Tim, he's like, it's kind of awkward to strike up a conversation when you're kind of (laughs) busy doing your job. (laughs) But he says something to Luke and Luke being, you know, just. Yeah, he just starts chatting with him or whatever. And then um, uh, however it got said or whatever, and my brother said, well, you know my brother Todd or whatever. And Luke's comment back to Tim was, son of a gun, someday I'm going to play a concert at Todd's house. Oh. So he had said that, which was kind of funny. And I, I had never talked to Luke about it. But, yeah, he was like, you know, he'd seen stuff online that we did house shows and stuff like that. So... Yeah, we went from that, and then, you know, it was probably the it was the very next summer when Carter and Luke played here for the first time okay. and did their kind of duo show that they do. Okay. And so then they did two of them here that year, one in the living room and then one outside in the driveway. And, uh, yeah, we just got to be better and better friends as, you know, they're coming and they're staying at our house for the weekend sure. and, and yep. stuff like that. So really built up a great friendship with all the guys, you sure. know, yeah. um, you know, including like, you know, Tim leaves as drummer Lewis comes in and, you know, Lewis was just an amazing guy. So, you know, it didn't really matter who was in the band, you know, everyone, 
you know, got along with everyone so great. They're just all a great bunch of guys. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick, you know, Nick left playing bass, and Jake took over. Jake was the merch guy. Oh, crazy, yeah, you know, yeah. all that all worked. And um, Nick came back recently with Tim. So Tim's band was playing not this past summer, summer before. Yeah, um, I do recall that. With he came with which band? The traveling, the travel guide. The travel guide. Yeah. So he he flew in just to sell merch yeah actually um that weekend tim and the band and nick all stayed by me oh there you go (laughs) yep so yeah so um because nick was coming in tim had called me and he's like hey nick's flying in but he's getting to appleton before we'll even be here because they're driving with all their gear and whatnot and he's like is there any way you know you could pick him up at the airport and oh heck yeah so i ran out there and picked him up and nick's like uh, can I just take along with you? And he just went to a bunch of shows, and we went and saw Fox Royale. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and he knew those guys. Oh, okay. Oh, they, yeah, the Bees had played shows with them before, at least one. I think when they were called Guys on a Bus. bus or yes, whatever. that's yeah. correct. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and it got to the point. So now the, the really cool thing also to kind of layer this with is – my youngest daughter, her favorite band is Me Like Bees. Oh, okay. So that's a really cool, really special thing for – a parent and a you know a child to kind of share a band that they really love and you know we listen to them like crazy road trips you know and all the sort of stuff so we took our daughter to go see the bees in joplin you did go to joplin huh yeah we so it was an outdoor show in a park it was free so 10 hour drive fox royale was the opener opening for the bees so we go all the way down there and it got rained out well actually fox royale opened the show and right as they finished, the clouds opened up. Oh, so geez. we saw Fox Royale play, and the bees got canceled, and they pushed it back, okay. and you know we couldn't drive back another time. Um, but yeah, you know we did that. But the great thing was, is being having the relationship with the bees like we did. They thought it was so awesome. We were driving ten hours that when we got to town, they invited us over to Jake's house. Okay. And we sat through the whole set. They kind of did a run-through rehearsal. Oh, okay. So we did see them play the whole set that they were going to play that oh, night in the, you know, in the garage and kind of rehearsals. So. Okay. Good deal, Todd. All right. I got to circle back when you said um, you first kind of met the bees or like introduced yourself. That was at Fox River House, correct? Correct. That was the very first show that I had ever seen from them, actually. Okay. And um, that was the first time we we went right backstage too and introduced ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. So and Jake really sold me on the bees. I didn't. I heard uh, "Brand New Fall." That's my favorite song. Okay. One of their my favorites. And they had played that, and I immediately went over to the merch booth, and there's Jake. You know. Yeah. I'm like, what was that song? What album is that? And he's like, and he's like, you got, oh, it's great. You got to get this album. And he just completely sold it. So yep. yeah, ever since then, it's just been, it's like love at first sight. With I know. Band. I see you at all the shows <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we've been lucky. You know, we've seen them a lot. Yeah. I'm glad they come through here as much as they do. So yep. that's very awesome. Cool. Well, you mentioned your house shows. I want to talk about that a little bit after the interview. So uh, listeners, stick around. Todd will be back after Luke's interview and uh, we'll continue uh, digging into uh, Todd Van Hammond, Man of the Mile.
Appleton, uh, you've played Mile of Music before. Mm -hmm. Uh, This last mile, I asked artists along the way, and I want to ask you, what was that music moment in your life that told you, I want to do this? I want to be on stage. You know, my my dad was a songwriter, but he never like played guitar. You know, he was a carpet layer, is a carpet layer, you know, and um, I'd hear him sing and stuff. And so I sort of just naturally picked up songwriting. He'd sing his songs. He wouldn't even play guitar. He'd just kind of sing them. And, um, and so I started writing music at a very young age, like 10, 10 or so. But it wasn't until like college I thought like, you know what, this is what I want to do. And that for me was... This sounds silly, but I was listening to a song called Ball and Biscuit by the White Stripes. Okay. Have you ever heard it? And uh, I just thought, man, I just like, just like it, you know, it got me, you know what yeah, I mean? Sure. And so I felt like, you know what, if I can make people feel this way in any small, like a fraction of what I'm feeling listening to this song right now, that'd be, that'd be a worthwhile venture. You know, sure. I already write songs if I can, you know, play rock music, you know. So that was, you know, probably I was like 20 or 21 years old. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, band for, since 2013, you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've gone through some member changes through all that we time. We really have, yeah. Yeah. What's that like to have member rotation in the band? Um, you know, it's always sad when someone leaves. Um, you know, either just they don't tour or, you know, one of our drummers had a kid. You know, one of them moved away. But it's it's just a lot of uh, it feels like, you know. First off, we're in a pretty limited market. Joplin doesn't have just like musicians lined up everywhere trying to. Pl- so it's like it's like a search, you know. You try to find because you want. We always say we want somebody who lives in our town. You know what I mean? Like we want someone who's um, going to be able to practice a couple times a week, and you know, who's going to be active, and you don't have to worry about getting them here or meeting up before shows or anything. So you know. So you kind of a, a limited pool, but it's, you know, always sort of a, a grind to, you, you know, a lot of these songs we've played for a million times with, you know, they're just playing for the first time. Sure. So you have to play it 10 times. And it's like, <laughs> I don't want to play any of these old songs 10 times in a row, but you know, even, you know, with Jake, Jake really hadn't played bass except at church like a couple times. And so, you know, I spent eight or nine hours a day with him for about three weeks straight. Wow like you know going through and he's come a long way too since yeah he joined i mean now he's a freaking little rock star yeah, i know but, uh, right? look yeah. what you've created huh? I'm a monster <laughs> what have i done i know but that's yeah. a lot to say too he was your merch guy originally he, right he was but i mean like you know jake's a grinder and that's the things you always want somebody joining who you know is a worker and right. jake's somebody we trusted on the road we knew he was a worker we knew he had great vision um we knew he's passionate about music you know what else do you want is right. you know, a natural fit you know we always say we want to start with character first you know none of us are great musicians so it's like but we believe in each other trust each other and that's like much more important than somebody who's just like a great musician sure you know? well if you're not, don't think you're great individually you're certainly great together that's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you guys are all talented individuals. We're okay. Too. We're all okay. <laughs> we are. The the sum is greater than the parts. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, and then your latest uh, new member is Ben. Ben, yeah. Ben, the drummer. And so that was just a hiring process, or did you know him anywhere in the background at all? You know, Ben was a co-worker of Pete's wife, Jonna, and he worked um, as a school counselor, actually, for like over a decade. And... Um, Played drums in a couple bands and is a very good drummer. Um, but he, yeah, he quit his job. To, oh, wow. 
play in our band and he works in a different job in the same field but um yeah so that was kind of a through pete's wife that we met him and yeah we just like you know he's such a good dude and you can kind of tell he's just kind of pretty chill and um handles himself very well he loves football we all are football fans so it always helps that you have like a common thing you all like you know sure, but um, do you like the same team that's the question. no no <laughs> no see it's actually the worst case scenario we're me and Pete are Chiefs fans. He's a Raiders fan, so it's like the worst possible. Ah, uh, yeah. But you know, nobody's perfect, right? right? Yeah, it creates the camaraderie, right? Right, yeah, right, right. right. We watched the a game, a Chiefs Raiders game together. It was it was fine. Oh, cool, cool. We didn't, nobody yelled at each other, so that's always the best case scenario. It's just round one, though. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. Let's talk about your new album a little bit. Okay. Uh, the Disco Two Step. Yeah. Yeah. Where where did this idea come from? I think that's a phrase Pete thought of several years ago. That he just liked two things that don't go together. Uh, and for him, it's just, it's kind of like a ism of two, you know, of trying to pursue something like music. It doesn't have, like, not necessarily music, but pursuing something that's sort of outside the norm and how it contradicts with everyday life and how it's like, so it's like two things that don't go together. So it's really about, <laughs> the whole record's kind of about pursuing passions you know so you know but it's also a fun name so it really is yeah, yeah. and you got some great merch out of that too oh, yeah. for sure jake did all that he okay. he designed all that um and puts it together and prints it and, i mean he yeah. okay he's a i mean a super great asset to the band as far as that goes you know sure yeah but a lot of those shirts and those shirt designs are great for sure it's been a long time coming since you've had uh another album out yeah. i think you said last night nine years nine years nine years um and if i'm Correct me if I'm wrong, just doing a little research. Uh, the last time I saw you released anything, even a single, was 2019. Before the pandemic, yeah. yeah. So uh, finally got some new music out. What's that What's that been like? It's been awesome. I mean, you know, we kind of feel like, what are we doing? Treading water through COVID, you know. Um, did some touring, but we recorded before touring. But, um, I mean, it's great to have it out. And, you know, we feel like the reception has been overwhelming, overwhelmingly positive. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, very, you know, whenever Pete, because Pete wrote most of this record, I mean, almost all of it. Sure. Know? When I asked him last night, he'll he'll spin it the other way and say it's very collaborative. No, and, no. <laughs> Pete, uh, I mean, in mo most songs, I think eight of the songs are completely his. I didn't touch them. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, and he just, like, um, wrote a lot over the pandemic and, you know, had some stuff from before then. So, you know, um, this is kind of his baby maybe he wouldn't say that but, yeah um well it's an awesome awesome album well, job well you. done to all of you guys i want to talk about a couple songs on the album okay uh one of my first instant favorites was return to me this is the closest to a song that was written by me and pete okay but i was over at his house it was actually i think it was right before 2020 so it was like late 2019 i we were just kind of getting together showing each other some ideas and uh i played him just that verse part you know the dun -dun, dun -dun, mm -hmm. dun -dun. so i played him that and kind of sang the melody over it uh he's like man i really I, uh, I like that he's like do you have any words i'm like not yet he goes okay well like do you have any like any lines i'm like yeah i have a couple and he's like okay we'll just try to put something together real quick and uh i'm gonna go grab some coffee he's like oh so he wanted me to write the song real quick <laughs> So I did. Okay. I, Challenge accepted. And that's the song. Okay. I wrote that. Okay. And then he came and then he's like, 
I just keep working on it, and he was kind of like putting some music together, and then he just had me sing it into like a SM57, just a really simple mic. Okay. While playing like a simple guitar part, I just did the whole thing, and then he literally said something like, "All right, well that's that's all I need from you." I just sang it, and then he put all that music around it together. Oh, really? I hadn't, I didn't hear the song until later. Like he showed me like what it turned into, and actually. I think we ended up keeping the demo vocals, like the vocals that are on there are from when I just sung it at his house, like on an SM57, because we liked the performance better. So we kept that and added some stuff. And yeah, he produced the entire song around me, basically just singing into a microphone. Okay. He had to put it, he even had to like, you know, edit it down to where it sounded right in some ways, you know, putting words in the right beats and stuff. So yeah, so I mean... Yeah, he kind of wrote all the music to it, and I just kind of sang into a microphone. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
I'm back with Luke. Hello again. Hey, and uh, we're talking their new album, Disco Two-Step. Yes. And some of the tracks off of that. All right. Another favorite for me is The Right Stuff. You know, it's just a, a fun jam to mm. uh, to listen to. You can talk about this one, or I'd also like to know, is it, was there a song or two that were super easy to make? I think you kind of alluded to that with Return to Me, but is there one that was challenging to make as well? Yeah, there's actually a couple songs that didn't go on the record that were, you know, we at least recorded drums, you know, record got into the recording process with and decided it wasn't a good fit or you know it just wasn't coming together how we wanted so you know um that always happens you know where it's like man it doesn't just it's not gonna it's not gonna work you know um i think the song mclean was kind of like that in the studio we put a lot of extra work in after recording it to make it sound right so it was like you know that one was pretty challenging yeah, but the right stuff, I think, you know, I think Pete put together pretty fast. I think he wrote that just, like, in the sitting. And I think it's because we were saying, you know, we kind of need songs that sound like this, you know, maybe for options. And um, he brought that to us, and it's so simple, you know what I mean? It's like it's a, such a simple song that has something to it, so, you know, it's, uh, um, but, yeah, easy to record, put together. And really, a lot there's a lot of, like, exploration themes in the record, so it's kind of that, you know, the right stuff, like astronauts, you know sticking to that theme of just like trying to pursue something you know sure for me as a listener a lot of times it's the melody first that i hear and then i tune into the lyrics a little mm-hmm. bit more where where's, where's the inspiration for what you guys put into lyrics into your music um is there a certain aspect or does it differ from song to song and i'm also going to point out tammy you know a crew mm-hmm. member she she picked up on that there are biblical verses or um points in a lot of your music mm-hmm. what draws you to put some of that in there well, i think you know you write what you know and uh i wouldn't say i'm an overly religious person mm-hmm. but you know i i am a christian and i if it, you know i feel like there's a lot of that wisdom in the bible that sort of informs my worldview and so you know that just comes out you know and some of it's just like uh things that i, I think are good for people to hear you know what i mean like um occasionally you know but uh yeah i mean every song is different it feels like every time you write a song, it's the first time you've ever written a song. It's like a, you have to kind of like start from the void, and then it's yeah. just like a, hopefully something spins itself into existence while I'm messing around. You know, it's like a, it's like a, it's just like any other creative process. It's like soul crushing along the way, where it's yeah. just like, and you know, even when songs really come together, it's like, well, it can't be that easy, you know. Um, or if you grind on it, it's like still doesn't sound right. But yeah, I mean. As far as the lyrics go, I mean, I feel like I'm constantly writing, constantly stealing, you know, no. if there's like, a, you know, I, sometimes I'll just listen to audiobooks, And if there's like a phrase that I like, I'll just, pfft. I've got an Excel spreadsheet. I'll just, I like that. Right. I like the way you said that. Sure. There it is. Okay. Yeah. That's mine now. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Different way to look at that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get to another song that is. Very interesting to me on the album uh, Square Jaw, mm-hmm. part one and two. Yeah, I want to start out by saying I, I hear that there's you know two different points in that song, or it has two different levels to it. I think almost. Sure. I correct me if I'm wrong there too, because like I said, this is music for dummies when you're talking to me. Gotcha. But um, what kind of made me smile on this is it's called Square Jaw, part one and two. Which mm-hmm. from an, an outsider's perspective, usually there's part one that's one track and part two sure. is a separate track. So right. can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So that song was a very traditional song to start very verse chorus verse chorus attack chorus like it was like that and i kept bringing versions to pete because that that's one of the ones i wrote i brought it to pete because you know it's his i feel like it's his record i'm gonna 
you know, you're kind of pushing everything through his filter to see, like, you know, um, and that's a good thing about having multiple writers is that you can sort of hand it over and then they're going to do some, you know, especially with Pete, he's usually going to do something better musically than I'm going to come up with, you know. And so I brought him something. He's like, ah, it's just not quite there. He's like, why don't you try writing it verse, 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 verse. We'll do a dramatic change and then we'll do chorus, chorus, chorus. Okay. So I was like, well, that's interesting. Uh, and so I tried a version of it and he's like, ah, not quite. And then I got, I think it was like six or seven versions of the song throughout that I brought him, you know, re-recorded it, cut it together. And then finally I landed on one. He's like, yeah, I think that's it. And that's the version there. It's okay. Like, yeah. It's like, that's kind of what I was thinking. And we kind of play and that's, you know, kind of an album reset. That's like song number six or something. Yeah. So it's way different than anything else, but it's kind of like a resets your ear. So it's not just on one track. Yeah. Leading into another. So it's like a very hard shift. And then you kind of reset. Okay. So I like, was kind of curious. That was leading to my next question. How do you decide like the track order? You know, is it yeah. song and how it sounds or is there a story you want to tell with the songs? That's just kind of up to that. Would, Pete put all of these tracks together. You know, it was his project. So, you know, um, but yeah, you do kind of want to like thematically flow. You know, it's not narrative necessarily. Okay. You know, it's not yeah. like a linear message. But there is, you know, it's sort of like when you're telling a story, how you unfold certain ideas is important. So it's like it's more like introducing ideas of the record in a certain order rather than like uh, we're telling a story, you know. So it's like that's totally subjective up to whoever's putting it together because, you know, even when we did the Ides, we all had different versions of the track order. You okay, know? sure. Where it's like this is this is the, you know. And they were all way different, you know. Okay. I think ultimately we kind of used a hybrid of everybody's, but um, this one was all Pete the putting, you know, putting the track listing together. And I think he wanted to uh, open with that acoustic thing and with an acoustic thing and have that acoustic thing sort of in the middle, like as these little sort of bookends and then like sort of a, a ear reset later on, you know. So, yeah, there's there's some... Uh, method to putting that together and even sometimes writing you know that disco is dead we put together just as like sort of a thing to go there like okay we didn't it wasn't like really a song even something you know really i mean i put some words together and we kind of went over it in the studio for like a minute and i just text everybody the words and we just i was like this is the melody okay and we all just sang it oh that's awesome yeah so it's not like they were like everybody was like looking at their phones trying to <laughs> follow the words yeah sure wow that's awesome i like i said the album from from beginning to end is is unique it's very bees it's, it's very fun to listen to and i enjoy listening to it more and I more like that very bees yeah very bees well let me i have a, a listener question but it was also one of mine uh, speaking of very bees and your sound um this is kind of twofold how has your sound if it has change in any way or have you had to you know struggle to keep it the same since you first started is there any morphing in there at all yeah i mean i think we write very different music now than we did at the beginning and i think a lot of it's just getting just accepting that you're going to write some different stuff yeah and not worrying about it too much okay you know try to keep a sound or something we're all pretty eclectic people like i don't think that's going to happen you know right it's just you know we kind of have the philosophy you write what you write what you hear or you know what you kind of feel and then 
that's it there it is yeah. and that's very bees if you mm -hmm. ask me because yeah. you, you do change you do more if you do write different kind of stuff but at the end it all it comes together so nicely that it's just in your performance that is what's selling it and that's what's very well, bees to me yeah. kind of piggybacking off that though as music fans of my crew and mile of music we've been hearing different music especially coming from joplin as well mm -hmm. outside of just appleton and um we've noticed with another band too there's kind of a similar sound and I, would, I don't know if that's on purpose, but we were curious if there's a sound that is Joplin or could be. I don't, maybe, maybe could be. I don't think there is like a Joplin sound because most of what's happening in Joplin is more like red dirt and like country kind of sounding stuff. Oh, a lot okay. of this, you know, or, or like rockabilly. You know, there's a lot of like sort of that rock folk kind of thing. I'm not sure which band, what, what are the, which other Fox band? Royale. Fox Royale. I got you. Okay. I mean, I think we're both maybe the only two real indie bands out of Joplin. You know? Okay. So I don't think, I don't know if it's a Joplin sound necessarily. I think we probably um, listen to some of the same people. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were just kind of connecting the dots and that was a very, I would say naive perspective just to oh, see, oh, you know, two yeah, bands sure. that, you know, we came from the same area. Is there a distinct sound in that area or something that influences you guys? I don't know in regionally if that's the case, okay. you know, I think we're all just internet babies. You know? Gotcha. All right. <laughs> I want to circle back to one last track on your new album, Green Boots. Yes. Which you was your last song last night. Yeah. Beautifully performed on stage there. Um, and that's your song? That is my song. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that song means a lot to me. You know, it was a pandemic song. You know, I wrote some music over the pandemic too. And uh, that was one of them. And I showed it to Pete. Really, I mean, one of the, we only got together to work on music maybe three or four times in 2020. You know, it was just oh, like, wow. What's the point? You know, yeah. Kind of but I, um, said, Hey, do you just want to get together and listen through some stuff? You know, we've been working on or whatever. And he's like, yeah, sure. And I, you know, brought him that. It was just a recording on my phone. I'm like, I put, you know, I wrote this song. I said, I, I don't think it's like a me like B song, but, uh, you know, I like it. And so I was showing it to him. He's like, I don't know, man, we might be able to do something with it. Sure. I was like, Hey, all right, cool. Yeah. And that was a, uh, that's a song I wrote. Not, you know, not in a good place mentally, just kind of woe is me, you know, but, uh, it's kind of about pursuing things and how it feels like, you know, it's so hard to get any traction with anything, but also I don't want it to ever end. You know, it's right. like, it's such a struggle and it's one that I hope never stops, you know? Okay. So it's like, you know, anything worthwhile pursuing, it's going to cost you, you know, it's going to cost sure. you a lot and it's going to be exhausting and just uh, hope it doesn't ever stop. Yeah. Well, it's a, powerful song to hear it coming from that perspective but it's a good song for you i think to have to keep performing with and kind of yeah. remind you i think you know for sure cool i do have one more question uh aaron was curious what would you want longtime listeners fans to know about your new album before listening to it you know that we poured ourselves into it and it comes from a real place and that i think it's the best thing we ever put out i, th I really do that we you know it's made out of love so Hopefully they can feel that, you know, in the record. Sure. Yeah. I think they will. Yeah. All right. All right, Luke. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much, Drew. It's so good to see you. I'm so tired, but if I ever rest, if I take a second, now I'm second best in every summit I'm able to reach, sits under the shadow of another peak. Still, I don't want you to tell me we're standing on our last peak. I have a beat like a mountain, a beat like a mountain.
I'm so tired of analogies Writing in code when I can plainly speak And it's okay to say just what you mean Go ahead and say it if that's what you need I just don't want you to tell me We're standing on our last peak, peak, peak I haven't peaked like a mountain I peaked like a child Looking through a door at Christmas Watching everyone smile Sleeping with old green boots in the cold. I won't lay me down. I ain't sleeping with old green boots in the cold. On the beast now, I ain't sleeping with old green boots in the cold. I won't lay me down. I ain't sleeping with old green boots in the cold. Beat like a mountain, no, I beat like a child Looking through a door on Christmas Watching everyone else smile Got a thing up, but still I'm hoping in a while We can find me in this valley out here And the entrance for the fellow While you're swimming up the now And the current's all backwards And it's full of crocodiles No fear for a rival Cause we'll go another mile But all my friends from the river Don't seem happy And all I ever wanted to make you was happy I ain't sleeping with old green boots in the cold. I wanna lay me down. I ain't sleeping with old green boots in the cold. On the beast now. I ain't sleeping with old green boots in the cold. I wanna lay me down. I ain't sleeping with old green boots in the cold. God bless you guys. Alright, welcome back to the Drew Han Show. I'm here with Todd Still. Thanks for sticking around, by the way. So, you have a rich history with the bees, but what's your music background like? Do you play any instruments? Have you been in a band? What's the story there from Todd? I don't uh, play anything. Um, I've tried a little bit on guitar. Okay. I have several guitars, but they're all just autographed and hanging up. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just... Um, I really think a music lover from childhood. My brother was big into music, and he was a fair bit older than me. Okay. So it was a big deal for me as a little kid to just hang out in my brother's room and, you know, listen to whatever he was listening to. And he was always, you know, recording albums and, you know, swapping albums with buddies and stuff. So we're listening to tons of stuff, and he's recording on Reel to Reel. And, you know, we're sitting there having some great times, and all we're doing is listen to music. But it was like an escape, and it was really cool. And there wasn't much to do in the 70s. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, I'm that old. So just... <laughs> um, it was, you know, TV wasn't as big of a thing like it is now and a million things on. So we spent a lot of time just exploring albums and listening to bands and stuff. So that's really, I think, what sparked it. Okay, cool. So you're known for hosting your house concerts. How did you find yourself wanting to do that? Well, it was never on my radar to do that um but i was a extremely big fan of uh the verve pipe and the singer brian vanderark from the verve pipe and i had you know been following him online and stuff like that and i found out that he was going to actually record like a solo record so um i traveled like he he released it it was amazing 
I wanted to see him play it live. Well, there were no shows in Wisconsin. So I literally drove like 10 hours to see him play in northern Michigan and at a tavern. It was three bucks to get in. It was just a dive. Okay. But I went because I wanted to see it. And it kind of started from there. We we had, I you know, I sent him an email or something like that just to get some details because this dive tavern didn't have a lot of details online and stuff. And he thought it was pretty special. Someone's willing to drive, you know, all this way to, you know, see him play and stuff like that. And I had him sign his CD at the show and stuff like that, but I didn't talk to him. Oh, okay. So he sent me an email like afterwards, like, are you okay? Like, I'm worried. You said you were coming and I didn't. I'm like, well, no, I was in the front row and you signed my CD. And he's like, you didn't tell me it was you and stuff like that. So anyway, he at some point realized that a a singer songwriter, acoustic, you know, not folk, but acoustic rock, but softer can't just play in smoky sports bars so he came up with the idea and i mean it's not like other people weren't doing it but he really wanted to kind of put together a tour and play for his fans through all the years that the verve pipe were pretty successful um he had built a giant mailing list and a lot of those people had hung around and were buying his solo records and stuff like that so he sent an email out to fans to book a show so that started it all and it was just like oh my gosh, like, I never thought of hosting a show, but if he's going to come and play a show at my house, I got to make this happen. And I agreed to do it. My wife was not too happy because I did not ask her. I booked it and I asked for weeks. When I booked it, it was only like my date of my show was only like a month, month and a half away. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, yeah, so I had to finally break it to my wife that, yeah, I booked this before I even asked you the first time and I've been asking for weeks but I have to come clean it's only in like 10 days <laughs> like, like we're gonna have people over I'm like I don't know how mad you're gonna be but you know so she was pretty mad oh boy but once he played here and you know he completely won her over and she was like immediately like you could have him back anytime that was incredible and we should invite more people the next time because I think there was 17 or 18 people at the first show we had sure and that was to appease her yeah she her she had it stuck in her head that our house was going to get trashed sure yeah we're having a rock show in our house and that's not what it is at all so once she witnessed that and was like amazed that we just had mtv unplugged in our living room Mm -hmm. you could do it again and i had brian come back like three months later and play again or maybe two and a half something like that and then um my live audio recording from that show i sent it to him like days after the show within a week's time i got a phone call and it was brian and he's like hey i got the cd and like i i got some questions and whatever and i'm like at this time you know it's like private number you know i'm like i don't know who this who is this and well this is brian i'm like well brian who and he's like <laughs> Van Rock, I just played at your house. And I'm like thinking it's a buddy pulling a prank on me, you know. So finally, I'm like, okay, yeah, it does sound like you. So we had a conversation and basically it boiled down to he's like, your live recording is incredible. I want to release this as like the official live recording of the tour and sell it at other shows because it'll be such a great representation of what people just witnessed at a house show. Absolutely. Okay. And he's like, you know, your crowd was incredible. You know, he's like, people knew like what lyrics to laugh at and you know, like what parts are kind of, you know, 
softer moments in the song and stuff and he's like you can hear the audience reaction so well and stuff so and he wanted to pay me for that oh wow. you know and i'm like no no you let me record you played a show in my house just burn it and sell it so he's like ah, i knew you'd be cool about this or whatever and that's where kind of a relationship started with him and we started booking a show every year okay and then uh, so he's played here 11 times okay i was gonna ask how many house shows have you had total um, the one coming up in a couple of weeks will be 39. wow all right yeah, so it's getting the numbers getting up there now it hasn't been a, a giant number of different artists i mean it's it's not small i guess at this point but because yeah. i mean then there was you know all of opening acts and stuff like that as well but my wife constantly tells me we're not a venue mm. let's keep it special and you know not just have just anyone under the sun so you know i have to at that point i can't just book anybody you know i have a lot of people ask me like we'd love to play your your house or whatever but it's like it's, i'm always nervous that if i can only do three or four a year if i just throw in someone new and then one of these artists that i followed for 30 years comes along and be like hey um i'm open for a show if you want to do another one i just yeah. don't want to end up having too many and then uh you know have someone yelling at me that <laughs> right. this is too many shows so there's been a lot but once like i said she wasn't on board after the first one she said i could have him back he comes back the next summer he played again then she was like all right, this is a pretty special thing. If there's other artists that you followed for a long time, you know, you could probably, you know, have them come as well. So I had a couple other artists like Brian that I have followed for a long time. So I had the singer from Caroline Spine come, and now he's played here more than a handful of times. And um, the singer from the Rainmakers has flown in from Kansas City like eight times now to play. Wow, okay. Um, and he's toured the world opening for Rush in Kansas and Doobie Brothers, and they, they've been all over. So, yeah, there's been a lot of kind of long-time, almost legacy bands at this point where, you know, I followed for 20, 30 years. And, you know, I'm now friends with the singer because, you know, we built a relationship. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's spawned from that too. After uh, he came that third time, after Brian came, he asked me, could you start booking all my house shows? So then for 10 years, I booked as many as 100 house concerts a year for him from coast to coast. Wow. So I'd set up the weekend and just say, put on the calendar and hey, Brian, you're in Southern California this weekend and you play two shows in LA and then there's two in San Diego and you fly back and stuff like that. So look at you Todd. Yeah, yeah. So I did that for 10 years and then, you know, I mean, I drive to as many shows as I could and sell merch for him and stuff like that and do whatever. So he would pay me, you know? And he said, um, the only, he's like, well, for doing this for me, um, you'll, you'll get one free house show a year for helping me book all these other ones. And I never took him up on that because I sell tickets. So I'm like, you're, you know, these people want to come and see you. If they're willing to pay, I'm just giving you the money. So I'm like, you know, you have a long, he's got a long drive to get here. You know, it's like at least six hours to come from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sure. So, you know, got to make it worth his while. Yeah, absolutely. With all those house shows, I know they're probably all amazing. Is there ever one in your mind that just stands out as a favorite along the way? Well, it's really tough to pick between you know, what's number one, because there's a 1A and 1B. So let's put it that way. So, and I, like you said, 
They're all special. They're all incredible. And, you know, from the first Brian show, you know, there's just, they're all like goosebump moments every single time. But we had a couple really, really unbelievable just twists of fate that happened. One of them being a band that I followed since the 90s called Stir. Stir was on Capitol Records. They were played on MTV a lot, um, maybe on WAPL and stuff like that. And they played uh, they played three shows at Ryan's Ballroom. I don't think you lived in the area at the time, but that was in Combined Locks. Just fantastic rock shows, and they're just great. They they kind of went away. You know, they got dropped by the label and stuff and a shakeup in the, you know, the record industry and all this stuff. And they started doing some reunion shows in 2016. And me being a crazy music fan, I started driving to St. Louis to see whenever they would do a reunion show okay so we went there and i dragged my wife to a show to the second one and we met i met a whole bunch of friends of stir you know that are, now i have this kind of family of fans that i know and they all travel in as well to see them and so they i started seeing them and talking to the guys in the band and i had emailed the singer of that band to come and play a show okay but he wasn't really playing music at the time he lived in la he was focused on his custom motorcycle business and stuff like that but now that the band reunited i kind of said you know if it ever could happen again i'm still interested okay and he's like yeah i know you are i know you are <laughs> and so then uh, our oldest daughter was looking at colleges and one of the colleges she wanted to look at was st louis university which happened to kind of timing worked out great. They were doing a one show that summer around the 4th of July. We lined it up with my daughter's college visit and we got to do both in the same weekend, which was fantastic. And they got done playing and my youngest daughter who really loves stir as well. She wanted to go to the merch booth and say hi to the guys and maybe have dad buy her a t-shirt or something, you know? So we're walking uh, over there and she's like are they gonna know who you are dad no way no way well we get 30 feet from this from the merch table and andy the singer starts yelling at me todd todd get over here get over here and i'm like what's up and he's like hey we just got booked for an acoustic gig at the house of blues in chicago which is a big venue yeah huge he's like so that's in november and i'm like um great i'll be there like like, why, why do you got to tell me that? And he's like, well, I'm going to be coming in November to Chicago. And I'm like, oh, you're going to fly in early and play a show in the living room? He said, no, I'm going to bring the whole band and we're going to play in the living room. So I had a 90s band that I love do a full-on reunion show in the living room the night before the House of Blues in Chicago. So they kind of used it as their warm-up night because they they rarely play they've never played like a full band acoustic show until my living room and to warm up for the next night because they wanted them to play acoustic at that show because there was a whole bunch of acts playing including brian vanderark that night because they used to be on aware records which was like an indie label based out of chicago so they were label mates at that time and the that show was like the guy who owned that label was like his birthday party. So he had all his favorites from over the years that were on his label show up and play at his birthday party Okay. at the House of Blues. So he, I don't know if he rented it out or whatever, but I think this guy's got a lot of money. But crazy twist of fate that one of your favorite 90s rock bands comes and plays a show at your house. So that would say is 1A. 
And then 1B would be for my 50th birthday party. I had Black Moods play in the living room. Acoustics, full band. Wow. So at that point, they were just starting to have like hit, you know, they had hit Billboard Top 40 with a couple songs, I think, at that point. Maybe the third one was just starting to chart. And, you know, they're taking off, and it was like, man, I don't don't know how I could swing this and afford it or whatever, but it's like, God, it's 50th birthday party. Like, I'm just going to blow the rest of the money and just make it happen. And that night was pretty darn amazing. So... And I'm trying to think, like, uh, who opened that night? I think Eric and Marty opened that night. Um, who's, they've opened a ton of shows here, being, you know, some of my best friends. But, yeah, and Listening Party opened for Stir. So that was a pretty crazy night. So Listening Party two-piece opened for Stir. It was That was crazy. So I would say that's 1A and 1B. 1B. Sweet. All right. Wow, that's cool, Todd. Speaking of your house shows and Brian from the Verve Pipe, you said plays here a lot. Well, first of all, have you had the whole band play here? I haven't. I had, I've kicked around the idea now of having them play in the driveway because once we started doing some bigger shows in the driveway and getting food trucks and porta potties and stuff like that, now it's maybe I could raise enough money to afford them. So that's still possible at some point. And uh, I've got a, a, a friend I've met through music, and she's good friends with another 90s band. And I, I'm not going to say their name, but they've gotten to be really good friends with her. And they told her they owe her a 50th birthday party, that they will play her a free show. Okay. Well, she's like, I have nowhere to host it. So she's like, could you host it for me in your driveway? So if that were to happen, and, you know, it's all timing. It has to work with their touring schedule and stuff like that. They used to tour with the Verve Pipe, so it would be really incredible if they both played together. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things like if you think about it, it'll, it'll never happen, but I've had so many things that should have never happened happen at our house, so I'm not going to say it's impossible. Right, well, it's fun to dream. You, you got know, some exactly. dreams there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so with the Verve Pipe, you've actually toured with them. Yeah, so... How um, does that come to be? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like I said, um, you know, Brian was coming here annually, um, and I started booking all his shows. So, obviously, we're we're chatting with each other a bunch. I'm going on the road and, you know, to see shows, but then I'd sell merch for him, whether it's in Chicago or Milwaukee or wherever he was playing. Um, and then the, the Verve Pipe were still doing a few shows here and there, and I would travel and go and see them. Uh, they did have a kind of a merch guy that worked with them, but I step back and help him if he was really busy but get the you know i got to meet everyone and everyone knew who i was and stuff like that so at some point uh, my wife and i were at a show in in madison and uh brian had texted me and he's like hey i never asked if you and jen were coming to the show today so i'm like well yeah we're here get your butt on stage come on let's go and he's like well no wait a second where are you standing or whatever so i tell him and sure enough here he walks see him coming from backstage because he's like six eight six nine or whatever and he comes right through the crowd grabs us and pulls us backstage and he's like okay i have something to ask you and i'm like okay you know what's going on and uh and he's like we we don't know they haven't been touring you know they'll do a maybe a weekend with maybe a friday saturday show but they haven't gone on an actual tour well they got booked for a tour so they're playing the southwest and texas and yeah, he just straight out said, we want you to come with us. And I just kind of looked at him like, 
what the heck am I going to do? Like, he's like, well, he goes, I'm going to be honest. First and foremost, we need you to drive. Oh. So you'll drive the Sprinter. He's like, and he's like, you sold merch for us tons of times. So, you know, you'll do that. And he goes, I'm sure you'll help load gear in and whatever else. And, you know, I'll find you more stuff if you want. So I told him, well, you have to ask my wife. (laughs) And she said no. Oh. Which, you know, Brian really took him you know, made him take a step back and he's like, what? And then she's like, well, he gets to do all the fun stuff and I'm at home with the dog. (laughs) (laughs) So, so anyway, so then she's like, no, of course he can go and stuff like that. So Brian knew that I work from home and he was really curious, like, well, could you work from the road and whatever? And I'm like, uh, I'm going to take vacation and enjoy myself for the two weeks that we're gone out on the road and stuff like that. So that was 2018. I've gone on many long weekends since, several tours, and then um, actually this year, when a tour started to form for August, he called me, and he's like, I got something to ask you, you know, we we have this tour coming for August, and he goes, I'm assuming, you know, you want to go, and I'm like, well, yeah, of course, and he's like, we want you to be the full tour manager now, and I'm like, what? (laughs) I don't know what that means, but... I'm in, you know, like, just tell me what I got to do. And he's like, well, he's like, from talking to Randy, you pretty much do all this stuff at the shows anyway, you know, because Randy's just like, Todd will do that. And Todd, you know, he's just given me duties over the times we've been going to make it easier on him so he can set up his gear and be ready to go and stuff like that. So we went on a national tour opening for Five for Fighting for a month, and I was the tour manager, and it was pretty crazy. So, yeah, so I'm – the driver, the tour manager, the merch guy, the roadie, the guitar tech for Brian. I set up his guitars and tune them and get them ready for him. And oh, wow. So, yeah, whatever they need me to do. So, And then we're out with a you know even a bigger band that had really huge hits. So it was quite the experience. And this all you know spawned from booking Brian that first time. Wow, no kidding. What so, a story. Yeah, it is it is pretty incredible that something like that would happen and, and you know, just being a band that you love, that you follow, you know, so Yeah, absolutely. Wild. That's why you're a man of the music, Todd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's just yeah, it's just like a passion of, you know, going to shows and recording them and, you know, sharing them with the bands and stuff like that and then Can you elaborate a little bit on you video record and you audio record you've said? What what's what's what do you do with all those recordings, uh, and what kind of collection do you have? Uh, <laughs> well, this being an audio podcast, uh, you couldn't really grasp. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of recordings, and I mean, I'll burn CDs. Still, I'm old school. No, I like that. But, you yeah. know, I, I do have just many, many, many portable hard drives full of material. Like at some point, some of these bands are going to come to me and like want to do, you know, or just. For history's sake, they want to show their kids stuff. Like, look what dad did when he was younger. And I'm going to have just so much stuff to show them because I must have recorded the bees like 40 times now, you know. Now, I don't video record every single show. With the bees, I try to. Like, you know, I kind of, the video is just, it's a lot of more disc space. It's a lot of messing around. Um, but I do have like a thousand videos on my YouTube channel. Oh, you have a YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize this. Time. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't use my name. So people don't know that that channel is me. But I mean, a lot of them do. Okay. So there's a lot of Mila music, you know, like just 
all sorts of stuff, you know. It's just bands I go to and whatever. And I might video an entire show, but I might just pick out a song or two to upload to YouTube. So I just, you know, I'll edit it out. Sometimes I'll have multiple camera angles running and I'll edit them together and have multi-cam videos of a mile show or something like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of stuff that isn't posted. So, Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's pretty much it, Todd. I just wanted to... You know, find out what makes Todd tick, and I think you've you've nailed that on the head for sure. Okay, I mean, and I wanted your your insights on the bees, so thanks for sharing that too, and all your stories. I'm glad you came on the show as well, and um, thank thanks again for letting me interview Luke here, and thanks for letting me come here and Luke interview you. Okay, thanks so much, Drew. I quickly want to say thanks for tuning in, folks, and thanks to both Luke and Todd for coming on the show. They have a great friendship, and weaving their stories together on the show seemed to feel like a perfect fit. Todd was intended for the intro and outro only, but I really feel like I could have pulled his time on the show out, asked him a few more questions, and had the devoted music fan he is have an episode devoted just to him. In the meantime, guys, make sure to keep an eye out for upcoming shows by artists I'm interviewing. Luke Schaefer will be back soon for a house show at Todd's. It'll be a duo show with Carter Halsey, another favorite of ours here in the Valley. Make sure you're following the Drew Han Show Facebook page as Carter will soon be featured as well on the show. Reminders to not only follow on the socials, but leave comments, like, follow, and share. All that good stuff. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you around the mile.